John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. I've been studying the names and titles of Jesus Christ throughout the Scripture. We came on Sunday morning to this name, Savior. Hallelujah. We saw that He, Jesus Christ, is the Savior, that He saves by grace because of love that He forgives sins, that He can do so because He is righteous. We learn from 1 Timothy 4 that He is the Savior of all men, though all do not trust Him as Savior. He is their Savior. And according to 1 Timothy 2, that He wants all to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Then, On Sunday night, we learn that he is said to be, Jesus is said to be the Savior of his body, the church. And the Savior gives hope to the church. The Savior abolishes death for the church. The Savior grants everlasting life to the church. The Savior delivers the members of his church from pollution. He gives them a new life. He teaches them holy and righteous doctrine and enables them to grow in grace. What a Savior. What a Savior. Tonight, the Bible says in John chapter 4, the testimony of the woman whom Jesus met by the well side. The Bible says in verse 41, And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This is indeed the Christ. Look at that capital S. That's His name. He is the Savior of the world. Father, bless Your Word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, go back just just for a moment. Earlier in John chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Aren't you glad that while the Jews might have no dealings with the Samaritans, the Savior will? And he is the Savior, we'll see later this evening perhaps, he is the Savior of that Jewish nation. But he is the Savior of the world. He came unto his own, his own received him not. And, and what an awful thing if God had said, well, too bad it didn't work. But the scripture says he came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The gospel did go to the Jew first, but praise God also to the Greek. It was carried to the Hebrew people first, but praise the Lord also to the Gentile people. And I am so happy tonight that He is the Savior of the world. We have people here from from just about every nationality and background and, and race of people that you can think of. And if not here, in extended ministry through mission work and friends that we know and, and ministries that we support. And aren't you glad? That there's not a Savior for Australia and a Savior for Peru and a Savior for Mexico and a Savior for the United States. He's the Savior of the world. And and the woman, she went in that town and she said, come see a man. It told me all things ever I did is not this the Christ. And they came at her testimony. 
But they didn't just come to investigate her testimony. They came to investigate the man. And when they heard him speak, they were as convinced as she was that he was indeed the Savior of the world. And they believed on him. And when they believed on him, he saved them just like he'd save anybody. Now, I don't know who you are tonight and what you've done, where you come from and who your ancestors are, what form of worship you might have participated in. But I'm telling you, he's the Savior of the world. And if you, if you are feeling a burden in your heart or a tug in your heart to go to the mission field, you say, I'm not sure where God wants me to go. Anywhere will do. Anywhere will do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you don't have to modify it or alter it or amend it or culturalize it or, or adapt it to a certain people's native beliefs. He's the Savior of the world. You can stand in the streets of Greece or the jungles of Guyana or the, the fields of West Africa or the sidewalks of Deland, Florida and preach the same gospel to everyone passing by because Jesus is the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Now, look in your Bible in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 14. 1 John 4.14 And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. How about that? Father sent the Son to be, capital S, the Savior of the world. That's what He is, but that's His name. One of Jesus' names is Savior. Now here's what we testify. And, and this, this ties right into preaching the gospel. We do not testify that He has come to be the feeder of the world. We do not testify that He has come to be the shelterer of the world. We do not testify that He has come to be the peace bringer to the world. We do not testify that He has come to be the social reformer or the political deliverer of the world. He's come to be the Savior of the world. First Corinthians 7 says, you might hear the gospel as a slave, and you might live and die as a slave, but you're saved. And you might hear the gospel as a free man or a master, and you might never go into bondage or slavery, but praise God, you're saved by the grace of God. You might live, according to Romans 13, under the cruel oppression of an evil government. Or you might live by the grace of God, according to Romans 13, under the liberty and freedom of a fairly righteous government. But are you saved? He came into the world to be its Savior. He didn't come into the world to, to end the poverty. What a failure that would be. Imagine if you, if you said, well, Jesus came so people would never be hungry again. Why? That, that betrays his own words. He said, the poor you have with you always. Isn't that what he said? Why, his own disciples followed him. And a, and a crowd followed him. And they didn't even have lunch for him. Lord had to work a miracle to feed his followers. And then, and then they're, they're on a ship and the, the storm hits and the disciples say, I know what this is all about. It's because we forgot to take bread. They didn't have any food. His disciples didn't have any food. Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds there have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He did not come to bring the impoverished people out of poverty. And he did not come to bring the middle class people into riches. And he didn't come to fix the political problems and the social problems and the ethical problems and the educational problems. He came to save you from your sin. So when you left this rotten place, you could go to glory. 
Praise the Lord. I tell you, there have been so many denominations sidetracked and so many great missionary movements that have, 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 have been watered down and rendered ineffectual because while they're trying to help the people while they're preaching the gospel, before long it got to be more help and less preaching. And then got to be a lot of help and a little preaching. And then before long, it was hospitals. Nothing wrong with that. And clinics and nothing wrong with that. And schools, nothing wrong with that. And building houses and teaching agriculture. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But they left the whole gospel part of it out. And after all that UNICEF money has gone into Africa, they're still starving over there. And after all that humanitarian aid that's gone into the third world, they're still starving there. And they're going to die without Christ if they don't hear the gospel. And so we go and we tell the world that Jesus didn't come into the world to fix any of these things you can see. He came into the world to fix your heart. And if you let him fix your heart one day, you can trade a shack for a mansion. And one day you can trade a dirt path for a gold street. And one day you can trade a broken down body for one with no sickness and no sorrow and no pain and no death. That's our message. We can preach it to anybody, anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Praise the Lord. All right, so he's the Savior of the world. Now, let's go to Titus chapter number 1. Titus chapter 1, and when you find Titus, we'll sneak back over to Isaiah in the Old Testament. Titus chapter 1, and Isaiah chapter 43. Titus 1, and Isaiah 43. Let's read the Old Testament portions first, and they'll make the New Testament portions more meaningful having done so. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Verse number 10, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Anybody know a group of people that thinks very highly of that verse? Okay, now if I, if I said, if I said their Bible renders the Lord Jehovah, anybody know who I'm talking about now? Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. So they would be the Lord's witnesses or Jehovah's witnesses, Correct. Let's, let's see what, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Which is unfortunate, because the Jehovah's Witness Bible in John chapter 1 calls Jesus an only begotten God. So the very verse from which they get their name, tells them their translation and their theology is incorrect. Because there is no other God, but they've got two. Now look at the next verse. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed, when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. So, if Jehovah ever had any witnesses... If the Lord, if God ever had any witnesses, here's what they testify. There's only one God, and He saves. And nobody else saves but that one God. That's what they testify. Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45. And verse number 20. Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image. And pray unto a God that cannot save. Now we bring in all kinds of other groups. 
Now the Jehovah's Witnesses, they got one thing right. They, they don't go for those idols. Good for them. But you got a lot of churches that do. Icons, relics, statues, totem poles, carved images, graven figures, rocks that fell down out of heaven from Diana and, and set them up in Ephesus and all that. The, the whole world participates in this kind of foolishness. The Lord said, <laughs> they have no knowledge. That's what he said. They don't know what they're doing. They have no knowledge. That set up the wood of the graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Now, that brings in a lot of Protestant folks that don't have statues and idols in their churches. They go to church on Sunday and they pray and you meet them Sunday afternoon in the store, offer them a gospel tract and say, are you saved? They say, I don't know. Are you saved? Well, I've never heard of that. Or are you saved? Well, my church doesn't look at it that way. Or are you saved? Well, I'm a good person. Who's this God you've been praying to who hasn't saved you? You got baptized in His name. You got confirmed in His name. You got promoted in Sunday school in His name. You you meet every Sunday in His name. And when I ask you if you're saved, you're not. You must have the wrong God. Ask me if I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. Because my God can save. If you've been praying to a God and you're not saved, you got the wrong God. All right, so the next verse says this. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Now, Now, listen. We're off track just a little bit here, but we need to be. If you meet somebody who's not saved, and they have a God, but their God hasn't saved them, or they pray to idols and don't know better, you know what the Lord said? Move in next to them and be a nice neighbor, and they'll catch on. No, that's not what He said. Smile a lot at work, and they'll see that you got something different. No, he said, bring them near and tell them. You've got to tell them. Why would a person who is religious ever get saved if nobody ever told them they weren't saved? You've got to tell them. And so the Bible says, tell you, bring them near, let them take counsel together. Who had declared this from ancient time? Who had told it from ancient time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Okay, now, not, he said, not only is there no God beside him, there is no Savior beside him. Now, you see the capital S? Everybody got, look, everybody got that? Look at the verse. And Savior, and there is none beside me. Now, if there's no Savior beside Jehovah, and John 4 calls Jesus Savior with a capital S, and 1 John 4 calls Jesus Savior with a capital S, guess who he is? He is the Lord God Jehovah manifest in the flesh. If there's no other God and there's no other Savior and He's the Savior, then He's God. That's who He is. What an odd thing that a religion that denies that Jesus is God has as the verse from which they got their name a passage that proves Jesus is God. You've got to admit, that's, that's remarkable. So how could they do that? They have no knowledge. 
God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not. All right, so keep he says he says a just God and a Savior there is none uh, there's none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. What a blessing! If you went as far as you could go to the east, there'd be no Savior there but Jesus Christ. If you went as far as you could go to the west, as far north as you could go, as far south as you could go, there'd be no Savior there but Jesus Christ. We support people who are preaching the gospel in South Africa and Greenland. In Alaska and way down there at the bottom of Chile. And you know what they preach? The same thing. Here's a man in Cambodia, here's a man in Korea, here's a man in, in, in the far eastern ends of, of the Soviet Union, and here's a man over here in California, here's a man over here in the Baja, and you know what? That you, you ship all the same gospel tracts, same Bible, you might have changed the language, you don't have to change the message. Amen. To the ends of the earth, Amen. one Savior, just one. What do the Buddhists need? Jesus. What do the Mohammedans need? Jesus. That's, that's what the Bible says. Well, don't you think there are many different... No, I don't think so. And if I didn't think so, it wouldn't matter. God said, I'm the only God. No other God beside me. And if you think a, a, a six-legged elephant with an eight-headed monkey on its back and a 24-armed woman and a rat under her feet, you think all those are gods, you're just wrong. You just don't know anything. If you think there's no God, you're wrong. You don't know anything. If you think God's made out of porcelain with blonde hair and a white dress and a blue sash on it, you're just wrong. That's what the Bible says. Well, you're hateful. You're narrow-minded. No, I'd be hateful if I didn't tell you that. That would be hateful. That'd be a terrible thing to do. All right. Uh, Hosea chapter 13. Hosea chapter 13. Last one there is rotten egg. Hosea 13. Ezekiel. Daniel. Hosea. There it is. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, chapter 13. Hosea 13, verse number 4. Yet, well, no, let's go back. Verse 1. When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. When he was humble, God lifted him up. But he went after another god, a false god. A non-God. And that was the end of Ephraim. And now they sin more and more. And have made them molten images of their silver. And idols according to their own understanding. And all the work of the craftsmen. They say of them. Let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. You know what they're doing? Golden calves. They're bringing a sacrifice to the Lord. in, In a room where they got calves of silver and calves of gold, and when they offer their sacrifices, they go over and kiss the idols that they made with their hands in the Holy Land. God's people in God's land, they couldn't possibly be ignorant of the history of Exodus 32 and the golden calf worship. There, there's in any way, there might be a lot of things that, in that law that an Israelite doesn't know. I guarantee you he knows about the golden calf. And yet there they are. 
So how could they do that? Well, they just said, you know, as long as you're sincere, and, and I just believe there's many ways of looking at it, and, and you know, that probably translated wrong anyway. It probably didn't say that. You know, when Moses came down off the mountain, we don't have the originals because he broke them, and it, it really said calves are okay, but Moses, you know, he was kind of hot-headed and old and all that. And You know, they have the same excuses then as we do now. People making excuses. Just work. Well, as long as you worship, that's all God cares about. No, it's not. No, it's not. And so... Let men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore, they should be as the morning cloud, and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor, and as the smoke out of the chimney. God's thinking up everything He can to describe stuff that just disappears. I mean, all the Lord had to do was say one of these, but He is on a roll. And and you're that, and you're that, and you're that, and you're that. <laughs> You're done. You live in Florida, there's dew on the ground in the morning. It's not there at noon. It's on your face and under your arms and down your back, but it's, but it's not on the ground anymore. And you live up north, there's smoke coming out of your chimney. You better take a picture of it because it's not going to stay there. It's gone. And you get a little chaff on the floor, closest thing, I mean, we won't grow our own food anymore. Closest thing you know to chaff is the red skins come off a of peanut when you're putting them in your mouth. Well, let me tell you something. You blow on that thing, it's moving across the floor. You hit it with a tornado, you're not going to find it. This is the Lord describing what He is going to do to people who worship improperly, who offer sacrifices that are not acceptable, who pray to Him but violate His way of salvation He said, I'm going to destroy you in every way you can think of. Every way you've ever seen that something ever disappeared, that's what I'm going to do to you. Now, you know, you preach like that and people just scatter. They run as fast as they can. They can't go back to that church again. They don't have any love. It's true. And they go find a place. Man, we're over there in Greece. And those people go in there and they pay money and light a candle. And then they go over here and, and, and put some money in a, in a little box thing there. And they get to have a, a prayer, a little card with a prayer on it that they can pray. And then they go and the wall is lined with these silver uh, engraved. It's, it's, it's made with, a, with an engraving tool. It's pictures of saints, dead people. And they'll go stand in front of that thing and hold that prayer card up and read it. And then they will put their hands on the side of that icon and kiss the foot of the picture of the dead saint. And cross themselves. Hope to die. Stick a needle in their eye. All that stuff. And they walk out the door and and you stand out there and say, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? And Get away from me. Can I give you the gospel? Get away from me. They'll pay money to a church that's got silver hanging on the walls to get a card with a prayer on it they can read to a picture of a dead man hanging on a wall. And then they walk out the door and you offer them everlasting life and they run from you. You know what the Lord said? I'm going to blow on that stuff and make it disappear. I'm going to rid the earth of that. Verse 4, yet I am the Lord. All the idols in the world don't change who God is. All the false religion in the world doesn't change who God is. Yet, he didn't just say, I am the Lord. He said, yet, 
For all that the Pope has ever decreed, yet I am the Lord. For everything that Islam has ever done, yet I am the Lord. For every corrupt Baptist preacher and every Pentecostal running drugs up the river, yet I am the Lord. It doesn't change who God is. Hallelujah. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Okay, so let's, let's, let's agree that the Bible says, now you might not believe it, but you have to agree, the Bible says there's only one Savior. That's what the Bible says. And that one Savior is the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. That one God is the only Savior according to the Bible. Alright, book of Titus, chapter number 1. Titus chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through niceness. No, you got to preach. Well, I just think if you just live it around them and they'll... If you, if you look, if you live it around them, they'll probably think you're a Mormon. <laughs> They're not going to get the gospel. Well, let's see. He smokes, he drinks, he cusses, he yells at his wife. Probably a Baptist. He's a really nice guy. Probably a Mormon. That's the propaganda. That's what's happened in this country. It's... But now, anyway, here's what I want to read. Hath the New Times manifest word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God... Our Savior. See that? So the New Testament matches the Old Testament. God is our Savior, capital S. Now who's Savior? Jew, Gentile, Christian, body of Christ, God, our Savior, capital S, only one. So far, so good. Verse 4. To Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace... From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Capital S. Time out. Time out. Just dropped my briefcase. (laughs) Spilled my watchtowers all over the sidewalk. If there's only one Savior, How can God be the Savior in verse 3 and Jesus Christ be the Savior in verse 4? There's only one way. There's only one way to have just one Savior and one God and Jesus Christ be the Savior. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. That's all it can be. So what does what J.W. do when you show them that? They hope their Bible doesn't say it. They appeal to their corrupt Alexandrian Westcott and Hort text Bible. That they have altered to match their rejection of the deity of Jesus Christ. And hope that when they stand before 
God one day, he doesn't turn out to be the one that spoke to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus from heaven saying, I'm the Lord. It's a pretty vain hope. You know, they say they don't want to go to heaven, they want to stay down here. If I didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't want to go up there and face him either. (laughs) I want to stay as far away from him as I could get. Now, look at Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter 2. Maybe that was just, you know, a, a, a gloss from a scribe or maybe just, you know, a, a little manuscript problem there and, and we didn't get Titus chapter 1 quite right. So let's go to chapter 2. The Bible says in verse number uh, 8, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining. Let me tell you right now, boys and girls, you better cut out that purloining. You hear me? Tired of purloining around here. No more purloining. That's a word you can't say three times in a row. But, showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now, who's our Savior? God. Who's God? Our Savior. See the capital S? You know what the Old Testament said? There's only one God. There's only one Savior. And when you see the capital S, Savior, that's God. And that's what Titus 2.10 says. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is the great God? He's our Savior. But who is our Savior? Jesus Christ. Now now listen. If there's only one God. And there's only one Savior. And Jesus Christ is the Savior with a capital S. There's only one possibility. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. I believe it. Do you believe that? I believe that. Okay, let's look at Titus chapter number 3. Just in case. Just in case. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 4. But, after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Isn't that wonderful? God our Savior, we talked about it Sunday morning, was kind. God our Savior, praise the Lord, He was loving. And the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. What did he do? Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. How about that? Now, let's, let's try it one more time. We had it in Titus 1. We had it in Titus 2. We've got it in Titus 3. If there is only one God. Is that what the Bible said? If there is only one Savior. That's what the Bible says. If that one God is that one Savior. And that one Savior is that one God. And Jesus Christ is the Savior. Then guess who He is? He is God manifest in the flesh. Hallelujah. Now, call call to mind Isaiah 43. 
I'm God. I'm the Savior. There's no other Savior. Isaiah 45, I'm God. I'm the Savior. There's no other Savior. Hosea 13, 4, I'm God. I'm the Savior. There's no other Savior. Come to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2. Once upon a time, it's 19 something or other, 79, maybe, 80, somewhere back there. My assignment in the Bible school class was to do a research paper on the book of Titus. And I remember getting so excited sitting in that dormitory room when I saw in all three chapters of Titus, God our Savior, Jesus Christ our Savior. God our Savior, Jesus Christ our Savior. God our Savior, Jesus Christ our Savior. It is so hard to believe. It's so hard to believe. That's been almost 40 years ago. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm as excited to see this truth as it was the very first time I ever saw it, you couldn't make it any clearer that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh and that it wasn't just a man that saved you, it was God that saved you. There it is. Luke chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number 9, Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, And they were sore afraid. We always think we want to be part of some supernatural thing like what happened in the Bible. Have you ever noticed the response of people in the Bible when one of those supernatural things happened to them? It's not as fun as you think it would be. It usually seems pretty much like sheer terror. It doesn't just say they were afraid. They were sore afraid. (laughs) Now, that's not slang for so, they're so afraid. It's not, it's not, it's not hillbilly talk. <laughs> but it might be. They're so afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to the Jews. No, see, we already covered that. Which shall be to all people. All people. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, capital S. Look what just happened. The only God said, I'm the only Savior. And the Father sent the angels to tell the men on that night, the Savior, capital S, has just been born in a body of flesh, in a manger to a virgin called Mary. God is manifest in the flesh. That's what he, look, when he said a Savior, capital S, is born, you know what he just said? God has just been manifest in the flesh. That's the announcement. That's not men guessing, that's angels sent down from heaven to declare it. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. He's God. He's Christ. He's the Lord. He's Savior. How about that? 
Now, the poor Jehovah's Witness, and I mean that. How many of you remember the woman used to sit downtown, Woodland, New York, give out the JW literature, 90-some years old. She'd been in home Bible studies with Russell and Rutherford in Brooklyn, New York. Before they were Jehovah's Witnesses, the, she, was in, she was in the Millennial Dawn Society with Russell and Rutherford. I'd sit down beside her, I'd show her what the Bible said about hell, she'd laugh at me. I'd show her what the Bible said about Jesus being God, and she'd say, oh son, oh son, don't be foolish. Preach across them that perish foolishness. But that's what she'd say. And I, and I'd say, I'd say, come on, what happened? She, and here's what she said. When I was a little girl, my father had questions about the Bible. She said, if you wanted me, you should have gotten there first. You're too late. Now, most of those people out selling watchtowers, they didn't wake up one morning and say, I think I'll join a false religion that denies the deity of Christ. Somebody knocked on their door before a Christian did. That's what happened. Somebody went back and went back and went back and went back while Christians were busy doing other things. That's, that's why they're Jehovah's Witnesses. But when, when you talk to one, when you get an opportunity to speak to one, here's what I've always and there's no answer to it. If all men have sinned and Jesus is just a man, who is going to save you from your sin? You have no Savior. Well, God will save me. He can't save you. Because if Jesus Christ didn't pay for your sin, it, it remains to be paid for. God the Father never did. Not, careful now. God the Father never did anything to pay for sin. And His justice, His holiness, His righteousness has demanded through 39 books of Scripture, payment be made for sin. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. If that couldn't do it, selling watchtowers isn't going to do it. You need a Savior. And there's only one Savior. And you can't admit that Jesus Christ is the only Savior because if you did so, you'd have to admit He was God. So they have to deny the Savior in order to deny the deity of Christ. And that false doctrine will cost them their soul. Yeah, that's right. Let me show you real quick. Come to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1. You know, Paul kept the Jews' religion, lived it blamelessly. That's what the Holy Spirit said in Philippians 3. That's what it said. And yet, he, this man said, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, that he counted me faithful, put in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 15, This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, listen. If a man who kept the commandments, 
He didn't kill. He didn't steal. He didn't have any other gods. He didn't break the Sabbath. He'd, uh, he said, as touching the law, blameless. How could he be the chief sinner? Because he didn't believe Jesus Christ was God, and that is the chief sin. That sin will cost you your soul. I'm a good person. Is Jesus God? No, then you don't have a Savior. All right, quickly. Luke 1, Luke chapter 1, Jude chapter 1. Luke 1, Jude 1. God our Savior. Jesus Christ our Savior. Which one is it? Yes. Tim. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. These three are one. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Your spirit rejoiced tonight in God your Savior. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Jude chapter, well, pick any chapter, they're all good. Jude chapter 1, verse 25, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. 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 Who says amen? Come on. Who says amen? Well, amen. Amen. We can have a church split right here over. Hey man, it's 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 hey man at the camp meetings. Hey man, <laughs> so, you know you know what we're we're you know what we glory in tonight. You know what we rejoice in tonight. God, our Savior. What's His name? Savior. What they call Him? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise the Lord. So I'm I'm convinced. I'm as convinced as a man could be. I'm more convinced than I've ever been in my life that Jesus Christ is God. And that He he came into this world to do what only God could do. Save sinners. Praise the Lord. Uh, Father, tonight...